0: Welcome to episode 12 of Asbury Pod with your hosts, Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. Today's
1: special guest is Hannah Walker, former communications director for the city of Asbury Park, current institutional marketing manager for the Two River Theater Company in Red Bank, and all-around rad millennial person. I'm Hannah Walker, and I approve this message. The matters
2: addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. everyone. I'm Amy Quinn. I'm Joe Walsh. And welcome to Asbury Pod. We have been trying to start this podcast for the last 10 minutes. You've but... missed the
0: best 10 minutes of the show.
2: <laughs> but Joe had to go to the bathroom, and then everybody had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Because Joe doesn't get to go to the bathroom, and the rest of us have to hold it in for 45 minutes.
0: Yeah. And I'm old, so I'm going to go more than once.
2: Okay. Preferably not during this podcast. <laughs>
0: Hopefully, I can make it for the next 45. 45 minutes.
2: Yeah. Um, getting an old date for sissies, people. <laughs> All right, so we are here with Hannah Walker. We want to welcome you um, to our four listeners. Hello. Yes. Hello, four listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we should individually write our four listeners Christmas th- cards. I thank you. Nope. <laughs> um, so we... So Kathleen, thank you for the support. Absolutely. And the and the Santander girls. Yes. And, and the, the random out-of-staters
1: too, right? Like and the random yeah. like, yeah. out-of-staters. <laughs> Those are
2: Joe's people. I think
0: they're apocryphal. Oh, I don't yeah. Know. yeah. I've not met them. I heard that they were... My friend, you know, I have a friend of a friend who claimed to have heard it.
2: Yeah, so. nice. Oh. So we're here with Hannah Walker, who's going to get us up to speed on all things millennial. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm ready? I know <laughs> Hannah was texting me last night or tagging me in something because I drank, so I don't know which it was, um, but one or the other. Um Crafty. And I was thinking, God, she is really prepared for today, and I'm hoping to get here on time. Well, perhaps
0: she, <laughs> uh, she clearly hasn't listened to this show. Clearly, um, but and I've...
2: somebody did put. Oh, I wanted to say somebody posted online. I thought it was fair that you are not necessarily representational of the millennials because you ha- you are such an old soul. And I would just say that I thought that was a little true. I do think like a Jess is more representational of the millennials who could not get here on time <laughs> during either of the podcasts that ended up never airing. Yeah, she's a little bit more representational of the millennial generation in my experience. So I you think know. you know
0: this is part two of a podcast. A part two of, of a discussion, part one, no one ever heard.
1: <laughs> this right? is feeling very legendary. I like it. Right.
0: So <laughs> when we're talking about, like, why do you care about the millennials? Who are they? Like, I'm asking for my own edification. Who are the millennials when we're talking about them? But why are you so interested in them?
2: So I mentor some millennials or try to. Mm-hmm. And I think I've talked about this before. I, you know, I, I I find them challenging. I don't think I've ever hidden that. There's, um, there's a challengingness to them um, that you are going to set me
1: straight on. Um, that's why I went overboard with the Googling, because that's yeah. the kind of millennial I am, is I... Research and but <laughs> make I, myself crazy over things I don't need to make myself crazy over. Right. I just take stereotypes <laughs> about
2: you got tons of trophies and then say, "Ugh, the millennials." Oh, <laughs> well, they are hilarious.
1: Oh, but millennials are people who are roughly like twenty-three to I think thirty-eight now. So yes. people who are just for the okay. for the for the listener at home and sort of the the they're not really people talk about them like they're college students and high school students, but that's that's not true. We're we're older now. Yeah.
0: Because I feel the same way. I remember you know when the first term came out, Gen X. Mm. I was like, I think I'm older than them, but I feel that I'm being included in that. But are I you don't not Gen know, X? I don't know who are the Gen X. Like, is I'm
2: Gen X, but right. I couldn't tell you the I couldn't tell you the range. Exact. What is before millennial Gen X? So
1: what that's is what like, after millennial? Like, Gen what's Gen the Z. That's, Gen Z? Yeah. Skip, I feel like Gen,
2: oh, no Ys? the Gen Z's are 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 not are a little easier for me mm.
1: than the millennials. Well, they're great. I freaking. Can I curse on this? Yeah. Oh. All right. I fucking Boy. love Gen Z. They're great. Oh, no. They're beautiful. Spotify
0: hit us with an explicit language warning. <laughs> nice. So, yeah.
1: On episode one. Oh, yeah, on episode that's pretty one. badass. I think that means you're, this, you've arrived. This is a good <laughs> good sign. And by
2: arrived, <laughs> we have four to six listeners. Yeah, but they're down with the cool stuff. So they're cool people. All right. right we got to get back on Sorry. topic. Okay, what bro- we're going to do our usual questions, oh, cool. because, th- so this topic, this podcast, was all about getting um, millennials up on municipal government. We mm-hmm. actually don't have any millennial listeners, And/or other talking than sometimes about, you Ray listen, Park. you mm-hmm. sometimes listen. <laughs> we have one occasion on millennial listener. <laughs>
1: Um although if we do have any millennial listeners, we'll put you on the show. Um, yeah, They'll come yourselves. out of the word because I'll say some stupid shit, and they'll be like, that's not true, and then we we'll are like, cool, next next guest.
0: Oh, they'll email Amy. <laughs>
1: They will. Yeah, they might not email you, but they'll DM you, or they will DM me, of course. <laughs> they'll or, send you a TikTok,
2: <laughs>
0: or yeah, right. Tag you and which DM
1: is like its own dating
2: thing these days, which oh. Hannah's going to get us up to speed because oh, okay. Joe and yeah. I got in relationships well before there were ever dating apps. Yeah. So, um, but I am told about dating apps by. Jill Potter, Jess, and everybody hates them. Anyway, let's start with our beginning questions. Um, Hannah, what brought you to Asbury Park
1: and how long have you been here? Yeah, So it's been, I think, about um, like eight years thereabouts. I graduated from, uh, this is pretty much in um, I know we'll get there, but like my parents are way cooler than I am. They always... Your call. mom is... Oh. You,
2: first of all, both she's your parents are amazing. Star. But yes. your mom is a rock star.
1: Oh, she's so cool.
2: She is amazing.
1: My entire life, it's been like, your mom is so cool. I'm like, yes, I know. I'm jealous of your mom. Yeah. Yeah, me too. She's, she's the best. I'm sorry she's not your mom too. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could make that happen for you. Uh, so they... I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey, which is, uh, I think, a great place to raise a kid and a great place to be a kid. But if you're doing neither of those things, it's not really... There's not a lot there for you. Um, so my parents were like the kids are out of the nest we're gonna go somewhere else and my mom had fond memories of the Monmouth County Shore area because her grandparents lived in Spring Lake and so they moved to Asbury Park and basically I came home from college and was like this place is cool <laughs> I'm not gonna leave no, I'm staying <laughs> that whole empty nest thing we're just gonna undo that. I'm just gonna follow you guys around uh, and so then I I stayed so, so your uh, parents
2: found Asbury and you followed them
1: basically yeah oh, that's wow. exactly what happened <laughs> And
0: well, then I, and millennial I, parents are cooler than their children.
1: That's 100 clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that down. <laughs> <Jock that> down.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that would also apply to Jess as well because her mom rocks. She's got a really, she's got oh, nice. a really awesome mom as well.
0: Maybe we should interview Jess's mom.
1: Maybe we should. Maybe that's something we could actually. Air. I think you could actually get some really good millennial insight from the parents. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: Well, like you know, start with that first one. I like that first question.
2: So I was gonna work my way into it, but oh. Joe's just <laughs> oh, saying. I'm sorry. I thought you had, the I trophies. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the tro- So, is this a stereotypical thing that is not true that we think of the millennial generation that you did all get trophies because in our generation you didn't get a trophy unless you placed. Oh, no! Whoa.
0: I got. I definitely got uh, in the seventies. Uh, trophies all the way through, so I was confused by that. Millennials got trophies. I'm like, yeah, I think we did too.
2: Oh, we didn't genera- ex- My generation did not. I Unless a, I came in first, second, or third, I did not get a trophy.
0: We just cleaned out my dad's storage, and there's boxes of trophies that my brother, or sister, and I had.
2: And you're sure you didn't just come in first, second, or third? <laughs> I never came in first.
0: You know, I was always on the either you know the second place. I was, you know, I was not a, a great athlete. He's an okay athlete. Well, the
2: narrative with millennials, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure you've heard it, is that, you know, they've had helicopter parents that have provided them the entire team with trophies, which then takes a little bit away from actually doing well at the sport, right? Because if the person who doesn't do well at the sport or insert whatever, um, and everybody gets a trophy, that's not really... I don't, I don't even know how you describe it.
1: Yeah, not really incentivizing. I don't know. I mean, uh, yes, we did get the trophies. The whole team? I think so. Were you into sports? I was. I was a big softball player, huh? Oh, of, course <laughs> <Womp you were. laughs> of course you were. <laughs> 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 I committed. I committed at an early age. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I necessarily got trophies all the time, but I also distinctly remember like that kind of, that kind of, like we were a, a cutthroat bunch of kids. So that whole like both teams, both teams win, here's your trophy for showing up. We were like, no, we want to destroy them. We want to. We want to earn our trophies. We want to dominate. I don't need this. <laughs> Just, um, and I think that came from like the parents. I don't. I, yeah. I. I mean,
2: you're you were the result of it, but the the parents were the ones who insisted on everybody getting that's kind of that's the narrative yeah i think the thought
1: being that kids would have hurt feelings and like kids i don't think kids necessarily have hurt feelings about that kind of stuff maybe not but if kids have
2: hurt feelings like it's okay right it gives you an opportunity to work through it so again the idea with the millennials is that they have not had that opportunity Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. In a later podcast, I'm going to defend the trophies for everyone. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. I will say, because I was thinking about the, the trophy thing while I was looking for a good trophy gift to respond mm-hmm. to Amy on Facebook, right. another very millennial thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was like, you know, what's, what's wrong with a participation trophy? What's Here, wrong with just doing something for the love of it? Not because you have to win or you have why. to be the best. You just are doing it to do it because it's fun.
0: Yeah. Well, also, it's a lot of work. So I, you know, I played football my whole life, and there are 22 guys who get to play. And every team has um, players who show up, go to every practice, get their brains beat out by the first team. They're like, they set up as the, the, the practice squad. It's like, are you guys are the other team's defense. We're going to blow your brains out.
1: You're the punching
0: dummies. They're, they are the punching dummies for, the, for a string. And they never get into the game. But they work just as hard and as long. And at the end of the season, the team wouldn't have won if they weren't there. In other words, they're the practice. They were the the. So
2: maybe they should get something
1: else. Well, they
0: get a participation a
1: recognition. Yeah, 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 yeah. a just, recognition. They get
0: a, it's really just minimal recognition,
1: well, like a medal. The participation you trophies survive. are v- they're really quite shitty. You know, like they're they're, right. they're they're like wobbly on the base. It's all super glued. Things are peeling off. Nah. Half of them say gymnastics when you're not doing ta- gymnastics. I, you know? I should have <laughs>
0: taken them. I should have taken them. should have totally taken totally them. I <laughs> kind up of the
1: the wish window. that yeah. I had saved them. I don't know anybody who still has any, but I feel like it'd be such a flex to like actually have them. Although I
2: placed. Sorry, okay. Joe. Oh, Damn. I was I was on the track team and the bowling
1: team. I won. I won. A, <laughs> really. That's oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. I love it.
0: I won. I won the 800 meter in third grade. Uh, so
1: I ran the 800 in high school, and it was really not my uh, favorite.
0: I was faster as a fifth grader than that. Yeah, uh, high, school, high
1: school. No, actually, I did track in middle. Anyway, yeah. I anyway, digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Hannah, tell us about your job now. Yes. All right. So, I am the um, Institutional Marketing Manager at Two River Theater in Red Bank, which is an amazing theater company that does um, world premieres, musicals, classics, um, Shakespeare, August Wilson, and um, equity level, which basically means it's professional actors, you know. Um people who are on broadway movies tv we have um 12th night is opening next which I'm, I'm i swear i'm not trying to do a marketing plug but joey mcintyre from new kids on the block is is um our orsino and he's amazing he's also been on broadway it's not like he you know he just walked right in there but um yeah so it's uh exciting casts exciting design teams how does, how does he do with January the shakespeare
0: like he, he can make it through the dialogue
1: oh yeah. yeah yeah i mean i haven't been in the rehearsal room yet mm-hmm. but from everything i hear he's amazing like it's it's really really cool so yeah that's that's uh so i and i it's an amazing theater it's committed to like bringing theater more people with like accessible price points community events all that stuff um and uh, for them i basically in the marketing team do the sort of non-show specific marketing so like subscriptions group sales student matinees Mm. um you know running various like committee type things which you know i've got some experience in also so uh that's
0: I follow your Instagram uh, hey. feed, and it looks like your job is fun.
1: It's very fun. Right. It's a cool group of people. We do cool stuff. I love the art we make. It's it's a good. Yeah, sometimes
0: guy. I work and look at you uh, will See, yeah, I think Hannah has a much more fun job than I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, you, and you bake a lot, which is
2: always yes. interesting to me as somebody who doesn't bake. But every time you post something that you've baked, it looks delicious. Thank you.
1: I mean, I can't cook for myself to like keep myself alive at all. I'm like really limited to, you know, ooh, pasta with butter. Sounds great. But baking, I, I can do and I'm good at and I love. I started doing it in college as like a stress thing. Like I find it very soothing. Mm. Um, and it, and, it, and then it's delicious. So nice. Anyway, I'm glad, glad, glad you enjoy. <laughs> good content. <laughs>
0: Do you want Paul Hollywood to come and give you withering criticism? I would
1: love that, honestly. Mm-hmm. I want Mary Berry and the other one whose name I forget. I just want Noel Fielding to show Perl? up in the want... crew. Yes!
2: Yeah. So you work for the city yes. prior to that. Yes. You were our communications director. And then prior to that you work for Dan Jacobson. Yeah, I've been all over the place. You have. You work for <laughs> Tri-City News, and we all know we had Dan on the show. Yes. So can I ask you a question? Why are the millennial gay people calling themselves queer?
1: Um <laughs> So I think I like queer. I think queer is a more... First of all, what does queer mean? Sure. I think queer, the way I would understand it, is um, not straight. Some people can take it even further to mean not the accepted societal norm. So if you were in a queer theory college class, which power to people who are in those, I tried it and I was like, oh my God, my brain feels like it's being cooked. Um, You know, that can can be taken to any level where, you know... uh, Queer can encompass a tons of terms, and you can queer things. It can be a verb also. But basically, um, I think queer appeals to young people because it's a very flexible term. It can cover all ranges of identities. It's just if you are outside the considered societal norm, which I think would be like straight cis, um, then that's uh, any of the other things that are like the primo number one. Then I. Uh, queer can apply to you and I think there's room for movement within it so if you're somebody who is sort of identifying as like non-binary in your gender identity maybe you aren't feeling like you are a transgender person but maybe you could move to that as you age as you know kind of you come to an understanding of yourself at different times I think the same is true for sexuality you know if you're not necessarily a lesbian but maybe you're not sure if you are like a bisexual, if you're comfortable with that term, if it applies to you, then I think queer is just a, a useful umbrella for capturing all of the various identities that can come under it, but also for the individual to be like, I'm queer, I don't need to firmly pick a term and stick with it a thousand percent for the rest of my life, but this is, I know that I am not a straight cis person necessarily. So, I'm so that's so that. interesting to me because
2: does do bother I d- you? So, it's interesting to
1: me. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) Um, Because you, would you say you identify as queer? Yes. So, I don't. I identify as a lesbian. And I was at, um, I was at a meeting with a a young woman who kept identifying me as queer. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying, no, I don't identify as queer. I identify as a lesbian, and I do and, disagree and I, and I did with people. Correct her. I
1: disagree with applying it to other people because well, they, there's a lot of reasons why people don't want to be called queer. Also, because for a lot of history, it's been a slur. It's so been a slur. I hesitate to use it too. Like I don't like to apply it, especially to like older people because it is like there are people who have very poor associations with it. So I'm like, I'm not going to assume that about anyone. Well, anybody. and then it was like it, it was told to me that it's more inclusive than
2: lesbian, and it's like I. I don't. I don't care. I don't identify (laughs) as a queer person. I identify as a lesbian. Would
1: you say you're a member of the queer community? Is that are you comfortable with that? Or it's it's not how
2: I would identify. But if somebody identified me that way, it would be fine. (laughs) But like if somebody put in a magazine, you know, Amy Quinn's a member of the queer community. You know what? No, I I wouldn't even identify that. (laughs) I would I identify as a lesbian. Um, I mean, I don't take offense to it. I don't. I don't take offense to it. It's just not the way I identify. And for me, and coming and you know the '80s and '90s and 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 our previous guests like Barbara and I talked about it. It was so awful to be gay in the '80s and '90s that mm. when we identified as gay or lesbian, like it really meant something. It, it you know I, I don't know. I don't, it's hard for me to describe.
0: What's the history of the word? Not outside, you know, not the pejorative use, but inside the gay community as self-identified, you know, so would gay and lesbians from the 30s and 40s feel more readily avail um, akin to the word queer, hmm. you know, because it was somewhat below, below the ground. Like, would you know, would, if you asked Eleanor Roosevelt,
1: that's okay. a really interesting... Because also, the our current conceptions of sexuality are completely, like, not only modern to the last 10 years, but modern wow. to the last 50 years. Like, I mean, there's a lot of interesting discussion about queer people in history. And, like, I because also theater, new, huge nerd, like, the whole conversation of, like, was Shakespeare gay? Um, and I think that's compl- kind of the wrong way to look at it because I think the gay as we understand it now is not how people in that time would have understood themselves. Like, did Shakespeare did Shakespeare, like, have sexual and romantic relationships with men? I mean, I personally think, hell yeah. But <laughs> I don't think he necessarily... Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm so suited for the podcast I didn't even know... Really I didn't loud, know any of this but. about Shakespeare. Yeah. So this
2: is, like, all well, enlightened the, to me. A,
1: a whole bunch of his sonnets were commissioned... They were commissioned and also addressing um, a young man, kind of, like, arguing for him to get married, but also in very passionate, very, um like romantic and kind of erotic terms so a lot of his stuff is explicitly addressing a young man
0: prior to 1700 or so Mm. things were a little gender fluid
1: yeah and accepted
0: yeah uh yeah i don't think you could identify but you could um play
1: and i think it was sort of the thing where if you were exclusively like if he had only had relationships with men and I think if you were if you were exclusive to just same sex relationships, maybe it would be a little bit remarked on. But um Christopher Marlowe, who was a contemporary of his, was very explicitly or much more explicitly um like bisexual, biromantic romantic in his uh, writings and you know, what we know of him. So I think there was there was still a spectrum within that, but it was much more, you know, it it was kind of a acknowledged thing. I think once you got to the Victorian era, that's really when more like uh, some of the the morality getting locked down and legislated against where Um, you know, you get sort of more of the Oscar Wilde period of history where. And it might be an age thing. Like Mm. I
2: I would venture. So I'm thinking of my friends, right? So I'm thinking who are who are generally lesbian or gay. I don't know that any of us would identify as queer. Mm. So there also might be like a, you know, a generational, obviously, queers come back into the game more recently with the millennial generation. But I don't, I don't know a lot of generation Generation Xers that identify as queer, they identify usually as gay. You know, you could call me gay or you could call me lesbian. You could use those two interchangeable. Um, and I would be fine with it.
1: I think it could be a visibility thing, too. Like I think for a lot of the and like, correct me if I'm wrong because I am probably am. But uh, the 80s and 90s, too, and part of a problem for my own kind of coming out sense of self experience is that it sort of felt like in the the common vernacular you were you were straight or you were gay. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Like, those were the options available.
2: Um, Totally.
1: So I think maybe sort of the the changing understanding of queer is maybe reflecting that we kind of know now that there are more... There are just more things there. Like you can be pansexual, you can be bisexual, you could be, you know, the whole uh much more visibility and of what the, the transsexual again?
2: Pan that's is- like the spirit. I'm in love with the spirit, not the gender. Pansexuals kind
1: of mixed? it's and <laughs> if any all. pansexuals want to yell at me, that's fine. Yeah, it's everybody. People, um, bisexuality as a term can be criticized for being exclusionary to trans people or people who are not um, identifying with a pre- particular gender so um which is not how I understand bisexuality for myself but I think for people who want a more inclusive term that's not alienating to any gender expression pansexuals what people go for so it is i think it really is all and it's really the person i think probably is the easiest i feel (laughs) like i need i should have notes and
2: (laughs) i can refer to them it feels like a lot of work it does which is so funny because it
1: feels like less work to me like that's kind of why i like queer for myself because i think like i'm like here all right literally i'm here i'm queer and now i do not have to worry about it like i don't have to continue to unpack this i don't have to think like wow i'm you know been been going on a lot of dates with dudes lately. Does that mean that I'm not? And it's you know, I'm like, no, I this is this is true of myself. Are you going on a lot of dates with dudes? I'm trying. How's like going. <laughs> it's an experience. <laughs> it's kind of weird because I've been um as long as, as I've my have always been with women. Yeah, I think okay. I started dating my first girlfriend, I was twenty-five, something like that. And then so there was a solid like Four or five years period of just dating women, and yeah, so um, when after my last long term relationship ended, yeah, I've been like dating more just in general, and yeah, dating more guys, and I'm like, wow, this is yeah, this and is, what is <laughs> what is dating in the millennial world mean? Oh yeah, um, Joe and I are really old. It's true. <laughs> There's definitely the uh, the dating app thing is pretty uh, prevalent. It's kind of hard to not be on the apps if what, you
2: want to. How many dates have you had not via because of an app?
1: Um, I've actually had. Um, I went on a date recently that was not because of an app. That's oh. fabulous. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's it's a good, a uh, healthy. I try and keep it healthy balance to like people I happen to just meet organically the way people have been meeting for millennia. But uh, a couple of of Tinder dates as well, and I've had like you know I've had nice Tinder dates. I've had not um, worst date. Um. Oh my God. <sighs> <sighs> the The worst date wasn't actually the date itself was fine, but then afterwards he was acting completely crazy, and I had to block him. so was, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So the date itself was fine, but it was sort of the after the date that was like.
2: <laughs> so Jess sends me like screen saves of. Yeah. I think she uses Tinder. Of like, mm-hmm. it just seems awful, right? So she'll she'll be on a lesbian dating site whose name I'm now drawing a blank on.
1: It might be um. Uh, her. Her?
2: Might be her. Yeah. I'll, I could go back and look at my phone. And she'll send me, and then like these guys will pop up in it. Yeah. I don't know how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I've heard her that out. Happen and then too. she sends it to me. And then I'm like, oh my God, that's so horrible. <laughs> Jess. I'm so sorry that that's what you're yeah. dating life. And a, so, match was like brewing when, when, well, not probably not when Heather and I have been together, I think 16 or 17 years. But anyway, I say all that to say we have friends that went on match and we would, Heather and I would edit you know to help try to help edit their profiles because one of the worst things that I think you can do is have like pictures of you
1: drinking or like mm. super partying oh yeah like yeah. It, you get anybody if you have a fish in your picture like nah yeah <laughs> right
2: <laughs> Um so so you're so when
1: you create your profile. <laughs> yeah. How is that? Do you have <laughs> somebody so edit it. No lines. I feel like cocaine, you should all you know, have like... people editing. I had your a little profiles. bit of like a like a friend crowdsourcing okay, where nice. I was like, What do we think of this picture? Do we think anything's missing? And I did well, I got a really good breakdown from my friend uh Matt and he was like, Okay, so this is what you need. You need um A picture of you you know a picture by yourself because you got a profile it's all pictures of other people it's like who am i who am i reacting to i don't even know which person this is um picture of yourself uh picture with friends a picture of like you out doing an activity Absolutely. to show that you leave an your outdoorsy house, one. yeah, totally. Um, and like
0: mountain climbing or just being out, or even or
1: like just walking your out. dog. Like, I like think on that's my an profile, okay. there's a there's a cute picture of me doing karaoke. You know, oh, yeah, it's like, see, right. I, yeah, I I move in the world, I'm out in society. Uh, and you switch <laughs> your pictures if you're trying to date men or women? No, I it's kind the of same I keep it. It's the same pictures. Okay, yeah. Um. And I uh, – kind of an interesting thing just from a, like, bisexual side is that there's a thing on Tinder called a unicorn – which I didn't know what it was before uh, I Googled it, honestly, where people just have like a little unicorn in their profiles. I'm like, I love unicorns. This is great. What a cute app. And uh, what a unicorn is, it's a thing that couples look for, which is a bi woman for the to invite. To so them. I yeah. was so my second th- the other screen saves yeah. just <laughs> is constantly sending me
2: are straight couples looking to, ha- you know, have a woman in their in their game. Yeah. Which also creeps her out. <laughs> hey, for those, I should tell her to listen to this podcast because Jess is not interested if you're on Tinder in, in joining your game.
1: And I <laughs> say Put that because she screenshots it and then mm. sends me it and then says, ill. <laughs> I sort of feel like if you're interested in doing a threesome, I feel like a couple is the best way to do it because there's no, <laughs> because there's no... Like, it's not. Joe's getting a little. Joe's like, what? Um, No, no, I'm I'm interested in the concept of a threesome. I've never had one. Sorry, mom. I I don't really want to turn this podcast off. Um, (laughs) I just feel like somebody would be left out. Well, that's what I I feel like the logistics of it are hard. And I think the emotional logistics can be really hard where I'm like, who are these two other people? How do they relate to you? How do they relate to each other? I feel like the ideal situation is you walk into a couple where that's established. You know who they are to each other, you know who they are to you and then you can leave, and there's no baggage. Bye. Yeah, so I feel like if – I kind of um, – I'm like, yeah, I can get it, sure. <laughs> and I kind of I, – I, maybe this is me being a little too, like, Care Bear Fuzzy Wuzzy, but I do think it's nice that if one of the – I assume the, the the female partner generally be, um, like, bi or queer, that you can be in a committed relationship and still explore that part of yourself. I'm sure there's, like, kind of a creepy, like, hey, hey, girls kissing side of it, too. right. But right. there's also kind of a nice side where it's like you can be in a committed – um like heterosexual appearing relationship and still kind of like have have your your queer identity explored as well so i don't judge but i kind of was disappointed to find that Joe all these people are, <laughs> are
2: just surviving this
0: <laughs> no it's it's it uh, no
1: no
2: i think sorry. it's great of course yeah <laughs> i i hope that's straight we're like question like to, too <laughs> get to deal with their queerness in, well they're not in straight that. though just because they're, they're, they're in a relationship straight, with right. a man doesn't mean that they're straight Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, still like something I'm like figuring out. But yes, that's why they identify as queer. Yeah. And not lesbian. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to get this yeah. by the end. <laughs> OK.
1: OK. Um, millennials and voting. Yes.
2: Let's talk about that.
1: Let's talk about that. I knew this. This is my 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 prep was very intense for that. So um, just historically, it is really hard to get the 18 to 29-year-old block to vote at all. The rate of a voter turnout in like the 90s was lower than it was for 2016 and for um, both Obama elections. So it's just always a challenge because I think, and I'm kind of like a, a, like a political podcast junkie and stuff, so I um, can't take credit for this thought, but that voting is not – necessarily it's an act it's a habit you build over time because you do need to make your logistics line up it's like something you put in your calendar it's it's like any other habit it's just something you kind of have to get used to and that's why you do generally see older people turn out in much higher numbers because it's a habit that they've built for themselves so in regards to 2016 specifically um what it, was
2: up with all the millennial bernie bros Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm yes. I'm I'm not,
1: I'm, okay. I'm not a Bernie person. I'm not a. I'm not, I'm never gonna be a Bernie person. Because uh, they all felt like millennials. Oh yeah, no, I think they pretty much were. Um, and I'm not on. I'm not really on Twitter anymore now. But like when I was, they were really aggressive. And yeah. um, and I think too, it's it's unfortunate because it is like there are there are Bernie supporters who were like sane, Lovely non-hateful people, right? people. Um, and I think they kind of get overshadowed by the really nasty like strain of the the Bernie Bro thing which um, so i think
2: and and this so is So like legit your friends how many voted in 2016 Everybody All of your friends voted everybody As far as in, i this know is everybody why I think voted. You're not representational of a millennial because well, but, I'm but gonna, i want to keep and be, i hate, and uh, honestly just should be on this cast but like she goes on dates all the time
1: and the people aren't registered to vote That's crazy yeah. well, so I wanna, But i also but i mean like my friends are all millennials so i can't really say that i'm not representative of a millennial it's just i'm a different because they're all out there. They're voting. We got our I voted stickers on our Instagrams, you know, because <laughs> I think this is a big thing, which is really interesting about millennials and philanthropy because millennials are like an incredibly philanthropic generation, even though in general, we don't have that much money. What we do have, we're like carving it out and also activism and volunteering, like mentally the millennial impact report I was reading, um, their millennials hold all their assets equally time, money and their network
2: i think that's amazing isn't that interesting i think that's super amazing just like how you and well thought out
1: yeah so i think that's a part i think the voting plays into that where you know your vote is it's still like kind of the number one way that millennials think about themselves as being able to make a change and i think there's sort of the i wouldn't say it's a negative it's just the power of social media is that when you put your you know I vote sticker up there on your page or whatever then um, people see you doing it and it might remind people that you know they have to they have to get out there and do it polls close whenever or even before then like people post about registering and registration deadlines and so there's a lot of stuff that I kind of keep checking for myself because like a friend has posted it so there's a kind of a group accountability that also happens with millennials hmm.
0: I want to pick up on something Hannah said earlier and I mentioned this in the conversation the threesome? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah let's go back <laughs> I mean, can we can,
2: kidding, we can Jeff. we revisit just kidding. that?
1: Just <laughs> just
0: just kidding. You know, because um, we talked about this when Jess was here, but it hasn't aired. Is in so I agree with what you say. Is there any data that shows the millennials vote any less than the previous generation? Because no. I, you know, eighteen to twenty nine don't vote for decades. I think not only do not it's not just eighteen to twenty nine year olds. Liberals in general don't vote. If you look at the right, participation right. rates, um, areas will poll heavily progressive and then lose because people didn't vote. So whereas conservative political parties are very good at driving their supporters to the polls en masse and liberals bail, like, well, like all the um, uh, Ralph Nader voters, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm, I'm bailing on now. You know, I'm not going to vote. Right. For Al- you know, if they're going to opt out for a purity test, right? So there's a problem with... Um, younger people in general for not just now, but decades in terms like, well, the government is, isn't as pure as I want, so I'm just not going to participate and it's not going to affect me. Mm-hmm. But, I
1: think the other there a big mindset going into 2016 and I think how 2016, because I think there was also a prevailing attitude of like, but it'll be okay. You know, it's like I'm I'm pissed. My candidate didn't get the nomination, so I'm not going to vote. But I know it'll be fine because it'll it's always going to be fine. And then it was not fine. Right. Um, uh, so I think that was kind of a wake up call because then also in the midterm election, millennial participation doubled like rates were hugely it high did. so i'm not trying to say that this impeachment happened because of us but it because, of us. because that was what voted in like an incredibly diverse liberal progressive house majority which kind of is is already making the changes that we're seeing literally yeah. today
0: if you're a florida resident and a, a liberal it's an it was an act of depravity to vote for jill stein knowing you're in a battleground state right like that's a that is an insane
1: and based, like, choice. The purity test thing too is true because this was a really millennials did show a really high instance of voting for. I'm not for party saying millennials candidates.
0: voted for Jill Stein. So if, you know, well, but
1: some of them did. People sure. make
0: crazy choices. And
1: know. I because again too, this is the sort of like Republicans, conservatives tend to stay in party line and they'll vote their party no matter Cup what. Come or high water. Yeah, but Democrats and liberals, um, it's about personality. Like people latch on to these like rising political stars and then have a hard time maintaining that momentum afterwards so i think especially for like my but group, we also
2: do this kind of purity thing to what no, Joe's totally. saying where where we where you hold them to such you know one like with the current election I, if mm. i hear one more person like well elizabeth warren it feels generation z millennials outvoted older gener- oh there you go Hannah. Yeah. Yes. okay we fact checked hannah <laughs> and it appears she is correct yeah,
0: yeah. so canceling this episode you know, millennials
2: Whoa. doing great. Unproblematic. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> threesomes may be problematic. I think
2: the purity test is just no, so I messed agree. up on, in so many ways. Sub- and in the current election, like... So people would be like, I, I'm not thrilled with Kamala Harris. You you don't need to be thrilled. She deserves a spot on the stage for now, right? She deserves a spot on the stage for now. So anyway, it's like ugh, I yeah. digress. But can I say two two things in the last year that I've read about millennials? Where I'm mm-hmm. going to give you guys credit. One, um, and, and Russell Lewis shared it. You seem to not care about owning a home. You yeah. seem to not care about having kids, and yeah. you seem to not care about God. Yeah. Just to just to like summarize this story, which I thought was really really interesting. Um, and I do feel like the owning the home and like the kids and stuff is like a little bit of rhetoric that we all get mm. sold. Um, and what was the other interesting article? Oh, you may v- you may not vote, uh, but you are the most politically active mm. in terms of going to rallies, marches and things like that, yeah. which then begs the question like, wow, you're going to rallies and marches and-, and stuffing envelopes, but then you don't actually
1: get to the poll. Well, I think that's a timing thing because I also think a lot of that stuff has come out like I think this generation has gotten very active again after 2016 because i think that was a real harsh wake up call for everybody and i think how that manifested for millennials is like oh shit we got to do something you just all thought she had it in the bag that's at least what i thought yeah okay. i think i cuz i i you know you, this i hate to try and remember those dark days but going into it it was like god this is scary he could do this but he won't like there's no way there's no and way. it turns out there was there was <laughs> several ways in which he could do this and he did um right. so i think I think the I kind of think counter to the whole political activism. I think we do vote because I think the the midterm elections reflect that. I think that activism did translate into voting because I think the activism and the marching and the protesting fed into a, a dramatically higher turnout rate in 2018, which I hope maybe you know too optimistic but I think it'll be reflected in 2020 because for turnout to be that high in a midterm election year, which not only is a low turnout year across the board, it's really a low turnout year for liberals and Democrats I think in general are pretty bad at voting in uh, midterm years so I, I kind of would disagree with that thesis because I also think a lot of the activism and protesting stuff was a direct result of 2016 and maybe a little bit of um, I don't know, maybe a little guilt after the fact of being like, we didn't necessarily get out there and do it then, so we're going to do it now and make sure this doesn't happen again.
2: So I'm going to switch gears and get into some work-related millennial questions. Um, So you're... I keep saying like your generation, but Mm -hmm. you're, so, so I've had the same job for 13 years. Mm -hmm. Joe, you've had the same job forever. 21. Okay. Um, Your generation seems to look for jobs every two or three years, which is like
1: mind-boggling You know what's interesting? That is not true. Oh. Um, Yeah. You check uh, that? Somebody (laughs) fact check that. This podcast
0: is a mess right now. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Is that rates of um, people having like two different consecutive jobs within a year um, are, have never They've been. They've never reached the same level that they were at before 2001. After so the recession, there was is, a little bit of a spike, but it still hasn't reached 2001 levels. But you
2: seem to look for new jobs after two or three years. Mm. You're not like lifers like me and Joe, who oh, will yeah. probably be at our jobs but until I, the end of our day. But I
0: had a good number of jobs before that. I was a chef for seven years or a mm. cook for seven years. And then I was in the construction laborers union when I was 19. Oh, mm. And then I was a All right, researcher we for... we'll blame Jan for this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
1: yeah. think it's a time of life thing because, I mean, like, no. we covered at the top. I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've had three jobs right, and right, I'm 29 right. years old, so right. I'm definitely not the best, um, or I probably am. A, I think most of my jobs I've had for, like, two, two three or four years because I also haven't been in the, the post-college workforce that long. Um... It Feels longer, <laughs> and I only stayed
0: where I was. Once I got yeah. health care, I'm like, this is it. Like I don't. Like, salary is second to health care. Like, the only right. reason I stay in my job, perhaps. Well, is that's. For that I was reason.
1: reading a New York Times article about millennials and what they look for in the workplace, and that that is a really big thing that is currently changing. Because on the one hand, millennials are like crazy workaholics like we are burning ourselves out at crazy rates and really committed to like we take less vacation and paid time off days than any of the older generations Oh wow. because we're just like committed to the work itself and also committed to like making sure our bosses know that so there's there's that side of it but then on the other hand you have kind of an upswell of millennials maybe because millennials are now getting into their mid-upper 30s and like have families and a lot of them are caretakers for parents and stuff too um where they're prioritizing instead of a higher salary and working more hours, they want flexibility where it's like maybe you you don't have to be in 9 to 5 every single day, but maybe you'll like take a work phone call at 8 p.m. because that means you can take your kid to school in the morning and come in a little later. So flexibility and quality of life and so work-life So what would balance. your
2: ideal work culture be like?
1: Yeah. So I think it would be... Um, I think it's it's really interesting the, the theater now where I work is my entire team is millennials and that's really cool because it's structured in kind of a similar way where it's you can work, well maybe okay, this is not really true for the theater. I want to like it <laughs> but um, where you don't have to necessarily be in an office all the time. Um, you can be working at any time, but you can have flexibility where it's like, okay, so I was doing, you know, I was working this event until 10 o'clock last night. Can I come in at noon? And then get your stuff you need to get done in the morning. You can do that. Um, so I think something that's that's flexible, that's not necessarily locked down to a particular location. Because I also think that the whole th- concept of work from home means you're not really working from home. But um, I think people can and are really productive to work from home when they know that that's like kind of the, they're, they're holding up their end of a fair bargain. Where it's you can work from home as long as you get your stuff done. I think that mentality is really good for millennials. They're like, I don't really care where you are or when you're doing it just as long as it gets done. Because I think that's sort of... And that comes also with like social, you know, being mm-hmm. able to
2: work remotely, right? Which right. we're not, which was not something that we could all do in the, you know, like 80s and 90s, right? You couldn't work remotely because, you know, we didn't have the, the world. Well, that's changed yeah, the, yes. that's changed it's crazy, work a lot from yeah. the negative. And, you know, I can't mm-hmm. get away
0: from uh, work. I get emails... Each year, a student will send me an email, say like 1130 on Christmas Eve, mm. uh, with a rather urgent question, even though it's Christmas Eve, uh, so they can, you know, your clients who you're working with can touch you at all times, which is mm. a bit frazzling. So it's yeah. good and uh, kind of imprisoning.
1: No, it's true. I think that's something everybody's trying to navigate now is like how to balance that and like when to unplug, because I think that's something people are getting better or at least more mindful about of the like I'm on vacation, so I'm really turning off. I've disconnected
0: my, my work phone, my email from my work phone, because mm. otherwise it would just ping all the time. Yeah. You know?
1: So you wrote um,
2: probably my second favorite column from Tri City News. Oh, cool. oh, oh the first Stephen, was that the first, Stephen I was about Price say, wrote the first one about gym all wonder. the guys having sex in the gym. Oh.
1: Have you gotten confirmation about that? About the, the no, I should text him right <laughs> now. I was listening to like, that podcast. Hey. I was like, I wonder. <laughs>
2: And I know Dan Jacobson says this isn't true, but they removed Tri City News after Stephen wrote mm. that article. So. And Dan
0: said mm. you were wrong about that. Hey, yeah, you
2: no, know, I know. I don't yeah. think so. I'm. Uh, I was very good it. friends with Stephen. I don't think I was friends. wrong on <laughs> that. Okay. Okay. Um, so you wrote an article about essentially bisexual people don't know you anything and f off. <laughs> But I thought, uh, so you broke it down again for me Mm -hmm. as somebody who's 43 and like, you know, and I've said this numerous times, my coming out process, which was coming out as bisexual when I was never bisexual and I knew Mm. that. But that was how you came out. Well, that was how some people came out in the 80s and 90s, because Barbara didn't. And I don't think Connie did. But a lot of my friends came out as bisexual initially, Mm. because we were, again, testing water, seeing who was going to freak out, um, even though we were never bisexual. There's a number of very prominent gay people in Asbury who share that similar story, but Mm. I'm not going to say their name. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I kind of very strongly feel like your path is your path and however you get through being like a, a gay teenager, like whatever you got to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. What I kind of wish is that that um, empathy could be extended to bisexuals in general where it's Who've like... have always felt
2: excluded. Oh, yeah,
1: totally. Because yeah. honestly, like the most hateful comments I've ever gotten have always been from the gay community. Like people who say like the weirdest crap to me have generally been gay people.
0: Um, Amy, can I ask you a question? Like these, yeah. this obsession, not obsession, This revisiting this topic is there somewhat of a a generational resentment? Like, so it was so difficult for your generation, but you've created space for the next generation to be Mm. in a much wider range of options. Like, does it? Is that what is that what bothers
2: you about some of these things? I don't know. Might be so. I and first of all, the generation before mine obviously did. You guys did did a lot of work work and
0: won. Spaces. Eventually, yeah, and so that's a lot this is the freedom that I think that's why I identify so time. much as
2: a lesbian mm-hmm. and not queer, right because we were when we were fighting for marriage equality or uh, work employment, you know, safeguards for the LGBTQ community um we were fighting that under as gay people, mm-hmm. right We weren't fighting that as inclusive queer people. Yeah. we were like, you know, we were fighting or the AIDS epidemic or all of that. So there's definitely a part of me that feels like, um, a, it's so I have to. They, uh, I'm gonna think that through. But there's definitely a part of me that thinks, the, and certainly the people who came before me, um, put a lot of time and effort in getting gay rights, um, mm. and lesbian rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and the older I get, the more I hope to be more inclusive. It's just it was a lot of it was a lot of fighting. It was a lot of right. fighting. I and mean, legitimately,
0: things. it's quite different, you know. And thinking back to my friends coming out, you know, um, in college and now it's not the same world at all, but that's a good thing. Um,
1: I think it's also so easy to forget how quickly, um, this movement has not only just come into being, but also yielded incredible results. Like the fact that, um, it's all really been within the last generation. I think just the visibility, the, the forward, and I don't mean, I just mean like within the last, like 30 years so much has happened with um, like LGBT rights, visibility, culture, reflecting that it's a very quickly moving movement. So I think for people who are older, especially sort of more in the like 60s, 70s and above, not only is it, it, it is truly a different world. And it is, um, I think, easy to forget when you're on the younger end that it's, it's a dramatically different. <laughs>
2: so my wife worked for a, a organization called Freedom to Marry. Uh, in the 2000s in the early 2000s and it, it, it day de- i mean so it was never about getting marriage equality because we were never going to get it mm. it was about like these small fights for could we get a gay couple on that billboard or could mm. we get like blah 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 um all with the end game hopefully being marriage equality and once we got marriage equality um that organization you know, transformed into something else but um it you know day after day of like dealing in a non-profit fighting for marriage equality in the even in the early 2000s Mm -hmm. i mean she was just depressed every day it was like if it was just depressing every day um I don't, anyway, but when, I, we should go on to a happier time. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so I, I uh, well, okay. I, what's your? Well,
2: you we know? only have five minutes. Did we oh seriously gosh. zip through that? Wow. Bit? Oh my god. Okay, lightning speed. <laughs> Let's li- lightning okay, round. Okay, we're gonna do lightning speed round. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm gonna ask a question. Then you're gonna ask a question. Then I'm gonna ask a question. And you have to be quick on the response. Right. Super quick. All right. Favorite movie.
1: Um, the man from Uncle. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I'd have it to is, Google it. it.
0: It's wow. Acceptable. Yeah. yeah. You know Sorry, what? wrong answer. I like what I
1: like. That's I love one. that movie. I could watch it every no, day.
0: No, I got no problem with that. That's <laughs> great.
2: I have to Google it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Okay,
1: you, you're supposed to be up for
2: questions. Come on. All right. So, um, and you they're were, quick. You it's lightning a, speed. Sp- Joe, sp- Joe missed the memo on lightning
0: no, speed. No, no, I'm going to ask you a slow question. So, you were a script reader for the Shakespeare Theater. What yeah. does that mean?
1: Um, so that meant that we read a lot of uh, submitted scripts because uh, they were trying to set their season, but there's so much plays that were written so he made this uh, the dramaturg at the shakespeare theater basically put together a group of area college students who read scripts and were like stage this don't stage this
0: okay we thought we were reading shakespeare and you're like oh this guy doesn't know what he's talking about like, <laughs> he's yeah, a yeah.
1: hack
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: why don't millennials wear assless traps um maybe we're not doing enough squats
2: okay hmm, that's a good
0: question good that's answer
1: huh? uh favorite tv show oh um avatar the last airbender wow <laughs> I, I don't, don't Renaissance know any women. I have to Google all of these. It's a cartoon series from the mid-2000s. <laughs> yeah. Huh. It's on Nickelodeon, but it has very compelling points to make about redemption and love and war.
0: Your, okay. Your nerd credentials are...
1: I'm a mega nerd. Yeah, like,
0: <laughs> really on point here. That's excellent. Favorite
2: no. book?
1: Um, ooh. uh, Watership Down or Station Eleven.
0: Both real pick-me-ups.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> Happy, dappy person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I... I uh, so, part 2 of the shakespeare question mm-hmm. do you think hamlet's overrated sometimes i do and then i change my mind
1: i think hamlet should always be played by a young man hamlet is often played by someone in their 40s and i yes. think that's crazy i think hamlet actually is is a he's millennial as fuck <laughs>
0: That's an excellent answer.
1: Are you watching the L Word reboot? No. Why? I. I know we've talked about this. I have never seen the original L Word. I'm probably not going to see the original L Word. I really don't think I'm going to watch the L Word reboot. Why wouldn't you want to watch the L Word reboot? It's just, um, well, I don't have the, the affection for the original L Word. So I think that's a big part of it. I think if it was just a show like this is about a bunch of like queer women, then I'd be like, cool, I'm in. But um, I, I, I find the original L Word inaccessible. I don't like shows, and this is regardless of, like, representation or anything, I don't like shows where it seems to be, like, mean people being mean to each other. (laughs) I kind of prefer Hmm. other things in my media, and the L word could be not that, but from my understanding, it's just, like, a lot of women kind of being horrible to each other, and I don't really want to watch that, even if it's got, you know, ladies kissing, which I'm into in a different way. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I don't feel like it's a show that, um, of ladies being mean to each other, Mm. Yeah, no, that's not my experience with it. But anyway, that's okay. You mm-hmm. don't have to watch the L word reboot. So, I'll watch you watch
1: the L word y- reboot. You let me know how you feel.
2: <laughs>
0: you went. You went to Georgetown. Yes, I did. Did the Jesuits leave a mark?
1: Um, uh, I yeah. Well, I think they always leave a mark. There, those those guys, they are up to some mischief. <laughs> they're not. They're not afraid to shake it up. I didn't never actually had a class with a Jesuit though. Oh, you did And I also never went to a Georgetown basketball game, so I kind of had like a weird Hoya experience all around. Okay. <laughs>
0: Because that, that that cura personalis is um, nice. quite interesting. Yes,
1: I will hmm. say I think that you know I, I as we talked about millennials and their relationship to God, I have kind of a, a complicated relationship to my own Catholic faith and identity. But I and I think Georgetown is really grappling with a lot of interesting issues with their own Catholic identity and. Um, their their uh, participation in not just the church but also slavery has been something that Georgetown has been really working with, and I think you know one of those things where you can't always have the right answer, but attempting to answer the question in any way is at least admirable. Um, well, so basically, I got no beef with the Jesuits. So that's my that's, um, my, that's my, my my lightning round answer. Yeah, the
0: neo-trads do, but the uh, mm. uh, as as a product of Catholic education myself, it's surprising all these um, slavery. You know, keep finding the church on the wrong side of slavery in a way that was always surprising. Yeah. Because we, you know, growing up and that we never heard that. We always thought perhaps that we were, we would have been yeah. on the opposite, and then that's not the case.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Even the nuns. Um. But anyway, that's a separate. Well, that's the whole podcast. thing about
1: like uh, just reminding again and again that like the church is a human institution, <laughs> and and therefore quite fallible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite Tri City News column? Uh, apart from my own apart from your own <laughs> crap um ooh. um i'm sorry Dave. you haven't I read anybody else's articles have you? <laughs>
0: oh well i
1: can't nothing comes about i'm sure as soon as i like walk away i'll be like oh yeah this one um, you know what? I also, I really liked, um, I didn't always agree with her necessarily, but I appreciated Luann Peter Paul's coverage in the the Rainbow Room because I kind of a similarly, like she's a lesbian of an older generation than I am. So I always really appreciated her take on things.
2: Oh, nice. So I feel the same way about you and Jess, yeah. that I always appreciate your takes on things which is different than mine mm. in terms of um,
1: oh, the Oh, um... Colors. Uh, R.F. Kaplan too he writes about a lot of more like political stuff and he has a a sort of real history of journalism so I always love to read his his um, his stuff what's going on with him so that's that's another one sorry (laughs) no it's a good one
0: (laughs) I'm good I'm good oh yeah I mean your your time is up you you have to go to the Stone Pony
2: I do have to go to the Stone Pony for um, Connie's uh, for the
0: Asbury Park Toy Drive so those of you who
2: donated great Thank you. Thank you. Uh all the kids in Nesbury Park are very appreciative. And we want to thank Hannah. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. Is so much and thank saying. you for refuting a lot of our stereotypes. <laughs> I, old gotta, people always love that. We got to do
0: better <laughs> research apparently. We don't know what we're talking
1: about. <laughs> apparently not. Yeah. I'm happy to I'm happy to send over my works cited page cuz oh, wow. I did yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I am sorry for all the people who have sent questions style, and please. I didn't get to
2: them, which is Rita Ooh. and Jeffrey. I got to a couple of Jans. I didn't get to Heather's. <laughs> Excuse so, me. I apologize for that. Uh-huh. So,
0: I want to know, will you ever get another rabbit? I wanted to...
1: Oh, oh yes. I would love to have another rabbit okay. at one point. I don't I know what happened to the first
0: one. I just I saw this question on the list, and I was like, that's oh, a great that's mystery really there. Sweet. She spent
1: um, a small fortune on her first rabbit. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. it got... His name was Nudge. He had chronic, um, like, teeth and face infections. So, I really... Uh, oh, my God. He was a, he was a I thought guy. that was a cute
0: little question. <laughs> <It> <laughs> no, no, no.
1: A, thanks no. Thanks for taking but, me back there, Joe. No, it was like,
0: oh, <laughs> this is like fucking family tragedy here. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah brought totally, that up, like,
1: totally. I mean,
2: it took you a while to recover from that. Oh yeah, oh, like, yeah. No, I was really, right. I was really messed up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Watership Down, Station 11. And, 11. <laughs> yeah. and our that next show is going sense.
2: to be in 2020. Yeah, New decade. I well, fear I should not say the names because every time I say the, name, the names of the yeah. people, well, they we're cancel.
0: Lo- we still have one in the bank. So we have Hannah and we have Jan's.
2: Oh, so we do have one with Jan?
0: Yeah, th- That we're out. rolling
2: through. How was the sound on that?
0: Uh, I haven't finished it yet. Okay. Because we we jumped the line to get the Christmas, um, the toy drive ahead. So we okay. we skipped the line. So I haven't gone back to that. But So we have two Hannah and Jan's and then whoever the next person is mystery guest. Mystery guest. Cause if I
2: say the name of the guest, inevitably they don't come. It's Not John Moore. No, but I am. Can I say marijuana?
0: Oh yeah. Ay.
2: Okay. Sure. <laughs> that's your clue people.
1: Yeah, there we go. I like it. It's like a puzzle.
0: <laughs> right. Or even a cookie.
1: Oh, thank
0: you. Um, so that's it for now. Yeah. So Good. enjoy the, um, stone pony, uh, giving away of Christmas joy. Uh, that I mean, didn't make sense. No,
2: that didn't, that <laughs> didn't
0: make sense. <laughs> I think I've got nothing New else to say. New tagline. Oh, okay. Wrapped <laughs> up. Wrapped up. All right. No, I, I had a week long of uh, NyQuil, and uh, oh. and I think those histamines damaged my brain. It I could have. I, I cannot That's possible. put together. You
1: just hallucinated this entire podcast. That's what it is. Yeah, this is all Robotussin. I don't know who you people are. <laughs> right, so.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank see you. Nice.
2: You know, bye bye. So it's so funny to me that none of your favorite books, TV shows, or movies are lesbian.
0: As Pod gratefully acknowledges the support of Words, Asray Park's only independent bookstore, offering new and gently used books for all readers. Words also hosts a range of literary and social events for adults and children. Located on 623 Cookman Avenue, Words is open every day, save Tuesday from noon to five. Stop by and say hello.